Worldwide KFUO, a click away, 24 hours a day. Originating from the studios of KFUO Clayton, St. Louis, the messenger of good news. You're listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Pastor James Cleland. <laughs> Thanks for sitting in this morning. My pleasure. Sarah's out uh, part of this week, uh, well, most of the week. Uh, so I appreciate you sitting in for some of the episodes this week. And uh, in, in full disclosure, this is Pastor James' first Mental Health Monday. Yeah. Also his first live episode. I think we recorded the last few that we did together. So I didn't know that. Oh, oh no. so sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. It is time for a Mental Health Monday with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning. It helps when I turn up the right microphone. See, that's what happens when you do live stuff. And uh, it is always good to chat with you, checking in this week. Uh, you're still getting settled in, I gather, with your transition moving to Michigan. And uh, it's fall there on the lake, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, man. It is the the best place in the world to be in the next couple of weeks. I, we, we like go for a walk in the woods or a hike almost every weekend and... It's just like so life affirming to be in God's creation and just surrounded by all of that crisp air. Oh, it's good. It is a good life. It's the fallest of falls in Michigan. <laughs> uh, that's that's good. I, you know, that's a good self-care thing, isn't it? Like getting mm-hmm. out and enjoying all that. See, yeah. I had to bring that in. Nature therapy. Mental yeah. health Monday. Oh, self-care. yeah, yeah. We have that in our family. Actually, my husband is a certified uh, forest therapy guide. So, oh, that's yeah, a thing. I, we're all in with the forest. Yeah. It's, that's it's, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I like to like hike or run in the woods or yeah. walk in the woods. Yeah. yeah I get the most get clarity up. doing that. Like yeah, writing okay. sermons There's and stuff. There's a whole lot of yeah. research about that. We can pull Dave in sometime and have that as an episode. <laughs> That'd be fun. Now, is there any like research on how many spider webs you eat if you're the first <laughs> out on the trail and how that impacts your mental health? Any research on that? Right. There is not. There oh. is not. Yesterday, though, I did like walk into like some kind of weird thorn bush. And I oh, think no. like that was a similar situation where you're just like angry at the world. <laughs> <laughs> you were relating to Paul's reference to the thorn in his flesh. The thorn in his head. Not to be dramatic. <laughs> so the last couple of episodes, we've talked about different types of mental health professionals that can be resources to us. Uh, today, I'd like to dig into different types of therapy. What are are there different types of therapy that might be helpful? And what are the ones that you're familiar with or, or would like to share with us today, Heidi? Yeah. I mean, there's so many different kinds of therapy. And I think that is one reason that I just want to do this episode series is because I think people oftentimes picture one thing when they think about therapy. And we talked about that a little bit during the mental health professionals, that there's a lot of variety in what you're asking for when you go um, to see a different uh, one mental health professional over another and all of that stuff. However, you, um, 
you have a need when you go to therapy and um, you know your need best, actually. Um, and so thankfully, with the Internet <laughs> and the ability to look things up uh, or, you know, go to your uh, library card catalog, if you will, if you want that method. <laughs> back in the day and do a little research, um, it goes a really long way in getting the therapy that's going to fit you best uh, because there are a lot of different types available. And so that can be really overwhelming, especially if you're in a mental health crisis or having a significant challenge. It's okay to just show up and be like, help me, <laughs> and then go from there mm -hmm. for finding the thing that, that you need. But I do think there is something to be said for understanding that there's a lot available now. And we we want to uh, kind of pinpoint what our need is so that we can get the thing that matches that need best. And so, you know, I can go into a few different methods that I use in particular. And the, there's in particular one method that all therapists use kind of as a base. Um, but there are literally hundreds of therapy types out there, which might be shocking to some people to hear. And I am not above Googling things, right? <laughs> and so <laughs> go ahead and put types of therapy in your search engine and you'll get some really good articles. Um, and we can probably attach a couple uh, that you and Sarah and I discussed in the show notes too, to get people started. Um, but yeah, uh, maybe do you guys have uh, a place you want me to start, I guess, or a question that already popped up in your head so far? Well, I'm, I'm wondering, so I've done my Google search to find the different types of therapy. What then is important for me to understand once I find a type that might be what, what I'm looking mm -hmm. for or looking for for someone else? Yeah, that's a really good, that's a good question. Well, that goes into our professionals um, topic that we had in the last two episodes too, is that professionals have education in a broad range. So most mental health professionals have this um, advanced generalist is what we call it, or like a, a basic degree in okay. mental health services. However, then they have their wheelhouse or what we call our scope of practice. That's a fancy word you can use to ask a therapist, what's your scope of practice? What are your specialties? What are your specializations? Um, what kinds of things do you like working with the most? You know, those are some good questions to unpack where that professional has landed then. And so there's a difference. And this is a really important difference between someone who is certified in a kind of therapy and someone who has had training in a kind of therapy. Um, we run into this a lot with EMDR eye movement desensitization and reprocessing is okay. one of my brands of therapy, if you will, that I specialize in. And I am certified in that, which means I have uh, seen over at least 50 clients uh, that have come to me for that kind of therapy. And I have practiced at least 1500 hours or so within that under supervision from someone who is an expert in that area. And so certification, much like I know Andy has different fitness uh, certifications and things like that, you do a lot more training in that area under some people who really know what they're talking about in that area. Whereas I can go to a training for uh, 10 days on EMDR and I am trained in EMDR, but I'm not certified. It's not that that training isn't good. It's not that it's not valuable. It's just a different level of practice. Um, and so you can start I think looking for someone who's maybe certified in a certain area, if you're looking for a specific kind of therapy, but understand too, 
that those people are going to be pretty spread out and may not be available in certain areas uh, of the country or certain uh, rural areas or even urban. You know, it can be really challenging to find uh, the person and the very specific thing that you're looking for. And so being able to dial back and looking for someone who's then trained in that area is a good way uh, to go about it. And most types of therapy have some kind of certification uh, organization or board, if you will. Um, and you can go onto those websites to search their engines for people who are certified in those kind of practices, too. So that's a good place to start. If you find a kind of therapy you're looking for, uh, look for the organization that's in charge of that and then who they have uh, sent through the training and then also certified in such a practice. That's that's really helpful, the distinction between trained and certified. Are, are there any, I don't know, red flags we should look for when looking for a therapist or a counselor or anything along those lines? Yeah, I think it's really hard because really the red flags that I would tell you have to do with whether it's a good match for you more than whether it is um, concerning like to society. Okay. You know, okay. the, good, the good news about therapy is that there are boards of of uh, therapy practice and mental health services for each state. So that's we talked about that last week, regulated by the state, and so. If you have a negative experience or something feels very off, like ethically off, then that is when it's time to contact that board who's in charge mm -hmm. of the practice for the state and the licenses for the state uh, and let them know that this experience happened to you and there's an investigation opened and things like that. And so, like I had someone ask me um, a, a while back, uh, is it normal for the telehealth therapist to show up in their pajamas? And I was like, <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I, I would need more information, but I would say that that is not ethical. That's not something, uh, you know, in the uh, National Association of Social Workers that we would <laughs> uh, support. Uh, but I also don't know that that's a license issue. And so you have to make those decisions for yourself. Mm -hmm. But, um, Quality uh, is found in both uh, education, but also experience. Um, I, I would say those things both need to be present. At the same time, people are going to have varying degrees of that. We talked about last week the fact that all mental health professionals that practice therapy have to have a master's degree. So that's good news. That's already been taken care of. Um, but if you are if you are like, for instance, dealing with really deep trauma or what we call complex mental health, maybe a dual diagnosis, like more than one diagnosis, then you're more likely to need someone who has more experience in that field. Whereas if you're going in to talk about a relational issue or um, a way that you want to grow interpersonally, then you could have maybe a broad range of individuals who would be useful for your specific need. Now, you mentioned EMDR. I know that is one of your areas of specialization. Are there other specialties in, when it comes to therapy that we can talk about in just a minute when we come back that might be helpful <laughs> for us to understand? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm right. excited to get into those. Let's do that. We'll do that in just a moment. It is Mental Health Monday on the Coffee Hour, talking with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman and Pastor James Cleland sitting in for Sarah today. It's a, it's a good day. Learning lots today. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm Eddie Bates.
You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Pastor James Cleland. It is Mental Health Monday, talking with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman today. We're talking about different types of therapy, what might be helpful, understanding different types of therapy. So we talked about one specialization earlier that uh, that you're very familiar with in practice, Heidi, EMDR. Are there other types of specialization or other types of therapy for us to understand today? Yeah, I think it's really helpful to understand that almost every therapist has this um, most common uh, training that came out really weird, but we're going to go with it. Um, (laughs) But almost all therapists are trained in what we call CBT, um, cognitive behavioral therapy. And so that is your basic talk therapy, but it helps us understand how our emotions, our thoughts, and our actions or behaviors are connected. Um, and so there's a triangle. It's, it's, uh, it's been around forever, and it really is very helpful, I think, to be able to connect those dots. Um, we do not naturally as human beings, I think because of the old Adam and new Adam business, that we are very uncomfortable maybe with uh, some of the parts of us that are struggling or are negative uh, or are full of shame, we don't like to talk about and recognize our negative thought patterns. We don't like to talk about and think about the emotions that lie underneath that we've been trying to suppress. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's really helpful to look at how those are connected. And it's really cool because anytime you're looking for change, you can impact either any of those three areas and see some change. So if I don't really want to deal with my emotions, I can deal with my thoughts that day and maybe impact some change. If I don't really want to look at those negative thoughts, I can look at my behavior and make some change. So anytime we're um, impacting one area, then we can begin to to move forward. And uh, I think that any therapist you find will have had training in this and um, will practice it in some way. It's just so foundational to therapy. As soon as I say that, someone will email in and be like, I don't <laughs> like this CBT at all. Um, but that said, I think one thing for me personally as a therapist when I was trained is that that didn't seem like enough either. You know, that it, it was great, but mm-hmm. there was something missing, particularly when we talk about areas of trauma and relational health that you can't just stop thinking the way you think and you can't necessarily just change your thoughts. Um, especially in Christianity, we tend to, you know, use verses like set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Or, uh, we, you know, talk about a lot of Philippians verses on how we should be with gratitude and things like that or joy. Um, and for people, that are challenged uh, with, you know, the very real chemical changes in their body with mental health stuff. Uh, you can't just flip a switch and suddenly have different thoughts, emotions, um, and even actions. And right. so CBT needs more to the story, if you will. 
Okay. That reminds me of an old sketch on Mad TV. There was a therapist, and he'd tell everyone, just stop. Just stop. And that's just, that's not enough, is it? Uh, so what is the more to CBT? I'm interested in this EMDR. I have not heard of that. Um, mm-hmm. What are some of the other things? Yeah, and I think it's probably good to reflect that we, I think we're going to come back to this next week. And so we'll be able to look at some more methods because I do think a lot of us have questions. Once you've opened that can of worms that there's a different <laughs> kinds of therapies available, I think it's really helpful to give a look at some, some other ones too. And so I'm going to this week focus on my partiality to <laughs> the two methods known as EMDR and DBT. So we'll look at those first. Um, EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing is one of those um, trauma-based theory methods. And so it has an underlying theory called adaptive information processing, if you like terminology and like to know those things, um, which is is a belief that our bodies essentially were made to heal and that we move toward healing um, in, in some very natural ways. I like to call this like the Holy Spirit healing, right? Where he is doing some stuff in our lives. Um, and maybe it's more accurate just that God the Father uh, does restorative work and has set our bodies towards healing at times um, because, you know, it, it, this is true in unbelievers as much as believers. Uh, but your brain stores memories in a certain direction. Um, And so you have to consider uh, that your body is doing kind of all kinds of things underneath the surface that you're not aware of. Um, And so when you have a traumatic memory of some sort, or you have a heightened emotional memory, even is maybe a good way to put it. uh, It stores differently than uh, memories that have less emotion involved with them and and maybe less uh, devastation, if you will. And so it's really helpful to, to know that uh, there is hope for that, that uh, when we go in and we do bilateral stimulation, which is essentially eye movements, um, and there's some, you can either use vibrations or light in order to create those eye movements while we talk about things in therapy or we sit with the discomfort of those memories. Uh, there can be some really powerful things uh, happening underneath the surface in your body and it moves it around and files it if you will, appropriately then. And so that's EMDR in a nutshell. I highly recommend um, the website EMDRIA, E-M-D-R-I-A. There's some really great, more scientific explanations that we don't have time for on that website. But yeah, it's pretty fascinating stuff. Unless we had like the extended version, the the three-hour coffee hour. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. Uh, Someday, someday. (laughs) All right, so EMDR, do you, do you want to go on to DBT? Um, yeah, DBT is another method, dialectical behavioral therapy. Um, and you'll see a lot of things on my website, for instance, that is uh, DBT-oriented. And so DBT has four different uh, particular emphases. One is mindfulness, which people love to hate or, or just love. <laughs> so the idea of mindfulness uh, is not uh, based 
necessarily in DBT in like Eastern practice or anything like that. It is um, being able to uh, be within the moment. Like there, there is a value to being present in the moment and not always in the past. That sounds healthy. Making goals. Right. Yeah. That, and I always tell people, this is very Jesus, right? It it is. It is. He invented this first, uh, (laughs) that, that being present in the moment has its value. And so I'm really thankful uh, that we have some scriptural support for this idea that scientifically or through um, modern psychology we call mindfulness. Then there's also emotion regulation is an important part of DBT and learning how to name your emotions, what is going on underneath the surface, how they interact with one another. Uh, Distress tolerance is a huge part of DBT, uh, which is essentially being able to live with the junk of life and the junk of your moment and how to respond to that. Mm. Um, as you can imagine, especially with COVID um, and with uh, lots of injustice arising to the surface and political stuff in our nation, there's a fair amount of distress. Um, and I think this particular method would be really useful for people uh, to learn some skills in how to respond to that, um, where to step back, maybe some boundaries to set and also where they wanna engage more fully. The last part of DBT is dialectics. This is my favorite because I believe it's so biblical. Um, It's, you know, we kind of think of biblical paradox, the fact that you hold two things that are seemingly opposite together. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, again, very Jesus-y. So the fact that responsibility or accountability also has to be held with freedom, that you can't have one without the other. Um, I like to talk about vulnerability and boundaries in relationship. You have to have both. Um, and so, yeah, DBT has its own dialectics. I have some biblical dialectics on my website for people who are interested in that, too, at HeidiGaiman.com. That's beautiful. So I'm wondering, this sounds like a great way to parent or, or uh, I don't know, is this appropriate for every age? Who, who, would, mm-hmm. who would benefit the most from, from these different types of therapy? Ooh, that's really good. So all the therapies I've listed so far are appropriate for all ages. There's specific like CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy has a trauma focused uh, workbook even that's for kids that have been through some trauma and that I have found really helpful in therapy with kids. Um, I practice EMDR with kiddos and play therapy and sand tray, which is another method. We'll talk about play oh, therapy can and adults sand tray do that next too? time. You can. Yes. <laughs> it's so awesome. Um, and Andy knows my great love of play. I'm sure we'll get into some of those methods next time. Um, and DBT also has, um, like I said, there's the, the kind of four basic things that they focus on. And there are workbooks for kids, for uh, junior high age students, for teens, and then for adults. And so it is a continuum of practice. It's just the basic language is there. It's done a little bit differently, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. based on developmental levels and things like that. And so um Another piece of DBT that I love is interpersonal skills. And so this is something that I think we take for granted because we usually learn our interpersonal skills in families and homes and then sometimes in school. Uh, But some of those, they just don't happen, Mm -hmm. right? Like how do you ask for what you need is an actual skill that we teach with an acronym in DBT or how to set boundaries is an actual skill that we teach in DBT. And I love that stuff because people I've found are really open to wanting to learn those skills. They just didn't know they were something they needed until they show up for therapy. They didn't know there was a certain way uh, that we know from research is more useful 
when you're trying to seek help um, or trying to seek a healthy relationship as well. And so, yeah, we'll also talk about next week, Gottman therapy methods. That's a certain um, couples counseling and family theory. We can talk about um, uh, uh, emotionally focused therapy and we can also talk about IFS, um, which is internal family systems therapy. Those are some of my favorites too. So it sounds like we have more to dig into next week, uh, just about a minute and a half left th today. Anything else that you want to briefly cover in our time together this morning about different types of, of therapy or, or where they're appropriate? Yeah, I think going back to the beginning, two statements I'd like to make as we, you know, kind of wrap up this conversation. One is a reminder that, um, I have an entire shirt that says you can have Jesus and a therapist too. Um, <laughs> I think in Lutheranism, it's beautiful because we have so much freedom that I do think the stigma with therapy is a little less in Lutheranism than maybe some other denominations or other religions even. That said, I don't think we're always great at engaging in it. Um, we believe in grace and therapy is uh, the act of God coming into our lives to bring the redemptive work of Christ, I think, in many ways. You know, we we go and we hear the word from our pastors and in our churches. We uh, gather, but sometimes we need some other things. And God works through those other methods as well as we branch out from that word to, to hear from other people, to get the help we need and to like... Um, access, I guess, sometimes that redemption that is alive and well in our lives. And so that's one thing, like just go and try it. The other thing is don't be daunted by the idea that you have to find just the right therapy. That's the one thing I, you know, I don't want someone because now you've heard that there's all these different kinds of therapy that you go down the research rabbit hole and you never go. And so just know that just try, just start, you know, that's the most important thing. Um, and God will do his work in bringing you to the place that you need to be when you need to be there. Mental Health Monday with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman, HeidiGaiman.com. And uh, we'll continue our conversation next week on different types of therapy. Coming up in November, we'll get to take a look at Finding Hope from Brokenness to Restoration, her book from Concordia Publishing House. Always great to chat with you, Heidi. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks for having me. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Pastor James Cleland. The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I love the saying, the journey may not be easy, but it will always be worth it. Hi, I'm Callie Breeze with Thrivent, helping you thrive with purpose. Do you hear the word budget and immediately flinch? You know, budgeting can have a bad rap, but many people don't realize just how simple it can be. There are, of course, your day-to-day -day expenses like housing, food, and car payments. But putting a budget in place for the small things in life can go a long way. Additionally, setting a portion of your funds aside for generosity will help to ensure that you have a well-rounded approach to your finances. By having a budget for the big and the small things, you'll be prepared for any unforeseen events, and you can enjoy financial clarity and live a life filled with meaning and gratitude. If you're unsure of what steps to take to start your budget strategy, work with a financial professional to help you bucket out your daily priorities and create a doable plan. 
And just remember, every journey has obstacles, but they are always worth it in the end. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. How do you create a great workplace culture? Creativity is one of the many ways to accomplish this goal. Lutheran Church Extension Fund is excited to present our fall series, Creativity for a Dynamic Workplace, on November 4th and 11th. Join Stephen Robinson, former Executive Vice President of Chick-fil-A, Inc., and Mike Abershoff, former Navy Captain and author of the best-selling book, It's Your Ship, who will share perspectives on dynamic workplaces and facilitating a creative space for work communities. Visit lcef.org slash webinars to sign up today. This week on Issues Etc., we'll discuss pastoral leadership with Dr. Lucas Woodford. We'll have virologist and California mayor, Dr. David Sander, respond to your questions and comments about COVID-19. And we'll continue our series on the theology of worship with Pastor Peter Bender. Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. This is By The Way, and today a little personal confession and a suggestion. I had a dear friend in grade school and high school. We did a lot of things together. He ended up staying in our hometown while I went off to college in a profession quite a ways from my hometown. I spoke with my friend once in a great while. We talked about getting together. I thought of calling him and setting something up, but always put it off for another day. I'll get to it one of these days, I thought, so finally I did. I called and discovered he had died just a week earlier. So a suggestion for you, don't wait. The opportunity, whatever it might be, may go away. Don't experience the regret I did. Ask God to help you act. This is By The Way. In the year of our Lord, 2021, I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we'll be taking a look at a lesson for this next Sunday, the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost. Lessons are from Jeremiah 31, Hebrews 7, and Mark 10. Hebrews 7. The book of Hebrews is very interesting. It has thoughts in it of a theological nature that a lot of times need some explanation. And we find that in Hebrews chapter 7, beginning with verse 23. Right now, the epistle reading is from Hebrews for the last couple of weeks. And the Old Testament and the New Testament gospel are somewhat similar in their thinking 
but the book of Hebrews is an ongoing reading. So, verse 23, the former priests were many in number. And then it gives the reason. Because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. So what the writer to the Hebrews is saying is, yes, we had many priests during the Old Testament book times, and there were many of them because they died, and therefore they did not continue in office. Verse 24, but he holds the priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Now, who is the he? It's obvious that it's Jesus Christ. We often talk about the various distinctions of Jesus. He was both divine and human. He was part of the Holy Trinity. He was the Son. There was the Father. There was the Holy Spirit. And we also got to remember he had three offices. We call him prophet, priest, and king. These offices came about because in the Old Testament days, God would set up an individual who would be his prophet. Then he had priests who were leading people in worship, saying prayers for them, sacrificing for them. And then he was also kings. Like, for example, Saul was a king. David was a king. Well, Jesus takes over those three offices, uh, particularly when he was on earth. He was the prophet proclaiming the message of salvation. He was priest in that he became the sacrifice for us. And he was king 